Hey, welcome back to By the People with your hosts, Mr. Buck and Mr. Long. This is a podcast dedicated to teaching students about American government and civics. Welcome to uh, By the People, and I guess the Invisible Hand, because we use this in both sections. This is the news part, mm-hmm. and you know what, Long, they're actually, I'm like very surprised at how little news we've had over the past week. <sighs> Surprisingly, the big things that uh, matter the most for government and econ um, could kind of be summarized in one event, which is the U.S. presidential debate that just happened. Right. Because it feels like 2020, like every week there's like 15 stories and we're like, well, we got to pick and choose what to, what to talk about. Yep. But this week, it's honestly been a little slow, but there's been a bit of a momentous moment. Like, uh, like you said there, Long, right? It's the presidential debate yes. right on, on Tuesday. You know, and I got to say, sometimes it's good when there's less news to report on because often the news not not necessarily the greatest. No, we've really we've really talked about some real uh, I don't know some real good things, right? Yeah. That's how all of our news moments have been. They've always, always been good and very great. Positive. Everything in the world is doing uh, great. Twenty twenty is just fine. This is fine. Yeah. Nope. Status quo. Normal year. Normal. <laughs> I'm just so bored. I just wish we could break this routine of being bored all the time. <laughs> obviously if you've listened to this news section at all before you know that's 100 percent not true yes um in fact it's been the opposite but sarcasm alert uh (laughs) say you're not supposed to teach using sarcasm well i uh i i would i'll disagree to disagree (laughs) i teach exclusively with sarcasm i only teach sarcasm in all my classes that's right (laughs) all right so so let's jump in so this is the news section after this section obviously if you've listened before we'll get into the information for the class whether it be the economics class or the american government class but we want to start off with the big stuff that's happening around the world uh in civics and like we said it was the presidential debate now i'm going to be honest mr long i uh i couldn't watch it man oh sounds like you're a horrible american citizen i definitely am i couldn't watch it i uh I just didn't have the mental capacity. I, I picked up on the highlights the next morning about what went down. But maybe you can give me the, the on-the-ground feel. Of course. Uh, and when I say that Mr. Buck is a horrible American citizen, again, I'm being sarcastic. He's a great American <laughs> citizen. And to be honest with you all, I, I actually um, I don't regret watching them. But I don't know if I'm going to be able to stomach watching the next three debates. <laughs> right. Because that's how bad... It was. Now, Now, if you look at the news, you're going to see mostly people complaining about the debate. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you, students. The first 15 minutes was mostly Trump and the um, narrator, the uh, what's his name? What was his name? Wallace. Yeah. Wallace, I believe. Yeah, they, it was just them arguing while Joe Biden kind of just laughed and shook his head. And uh, <laughs> to, to be honest with you, it, it was very unprofessional, um, which we've kind of grown accustomed to with Trump. Uh, of course, that sort of is what maybe gives him some of his political strength is that he has got a mentality that he will do whatever it takes to win. Um, it, yeah, it, it plays with some people for sure. Yeah, and, and a lot of people may view that as a, as a beneficial thing. Sure, fine, whatever. Um, it, it was a pretty rocky start, and uh, it just never really let up. Um, at one point, Joe Biden actually told Donald Trump to shut up. During, yeah. during the debate. Yeah, um, the quote was, will you shut up, man? But <laughs> That I was think, literally what it was. Will you yeah, shut up, man? I think, I think the most pressing piece of the debate that hit me uh, was the response to the coronavirus. Um, Joe Biden basically came out and said that Donald Trump had not done enough 
to prepare America and that um, they were not doing that America that he had not done enough to prevent the live the deaths of 200 um, 200,000 Americans. What are we at now? 200,000 and some change yes. now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. We have almost tripled the amount of casualties we had in Vietnam. Um, with we're, we're closing in on my, so my understanding, I think we talked about this a couple of weeks back, but we're closing in on world war two numbers yeah. of deaths. Uh, and that's, that's the second leading cause of death in American history. The first being the civil war. I think the civil war yes. was like 800,000 yes. or so. Something like yeah. that, yeah. Of, of American lives, yeah. y'all. That's terrifying, especially since we're we're now in October, so it's the tenth. This started at the very, very end in America of February, so we're eight months in. Yeah, and it's definite. It's it's absolutely not slowing down. In fact, I think it's, it's resurging not. right now as we speak. We're we're getting forty thousand new cases per day, yeah. and Donald Trump's response was basically, "I have a mask." I wear masks. We've done a lot. We have a lot of ventilators and we've had a lot of ventilator shortages. People have been wearing masks, but there's been no federal mandate. So Trump has never come out and said all of America needs to wear masks when out in public. Right. And states and cities have been doing that. And it's not gone. As right. Well. And this is a good moment for this class, especially to talk about uh, uh, when it comes to power, you have federal power, which is what we've been learning so far in American government. But we'll see that states also have their own power to make laws and, and cities as well, actually. So what we've currently got right now is states and cities making up their laws about mask usage instead of a federal decree that would apply to everybody. Yes. And typically speaking, um, the Republican Party usually wants more state power than federal power. Right. Uh, they're usually advocates for that. And then the Democrats, it's just the opposite. They often are in favor of more federal power than um, states. So, so, yeah. So the coronavirus response, in a way, kind of plays with the, 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 the Republican Party's ideals. Mm -hmm. Let the states do what they yeah. want, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. So that information was super interesting to hear them talk about. Um, and, uh, and a lot of it kind of came off as Trump's own denial. And Biden talked about a plan he, he seemed to have had. Uh, but never really specified any details of that. To be fair, he never really got a chance because whenever his time would start to speak, Trump would usually um, start interrupting and avoiding questions. Right. Um, so, so, yeah. so one of the things in, in presidential debates, like, like the, the reason that they're supposed to happen in theory is that this is when the president gets to come up and present his policy changes or the, the, the president who wants to be president, right? The candidate. Um, mm -hmm. And so they come forward and they talk about, well, what's your stance on crime? What's your stance on uh, wars? What's your stance on blah, blah, blah? Um, this one didn't get to get as much of that, really. Would you agree yeah. from what you saw? I didn't watch the whole thing, obviously. There was a, um, now typically politicians like to avoid questions um, and they'll give non-answers to questions. And uh, there was a lot of that in this debate. Right. Um, you could see... Uh, with a lot of Joe Biden's answers that he was able to give, he is appealing more towards moderate voters who might be on the fence or po possibly voters that did vote for Trump in the last election and are um, teetering on the fence. Mm -hmm. uh, it seemed to be his approach. And Trump's approach is basically like, everyone makes me look bad. I've done great things, but everybody's attacking me all the time, trying to play the victim card, right? Yep. And uh, and then just avoiding questions. Sure. And he he wouldn't really give a legitimate response to Biden when Biden was like 200,000 American lives have been lost in the last six, seven months. Yeah. Right? And Trump then accused Biden, some policy Biden supported in the 1990s for killing like 300,000 black people. Oh, so, yeah. And so his pivot, a, a little connection. This is yeah. history. His pivot was to the uh, the crime bill under Clinton. Uh, in the 90s when um, when uh, Biden was a senator and how he was for this crime bill that ended up putting a lot of um, people of color in prisons and things. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, hands down, the most controversial part of the debate that has to be talked about. Right. The very end, the last question that was asked was basically Donald Trump. Do you do condemn white supremacy? 
and he did not answer the question. In fact, he told a group of white supremacists to stand by. Right, a, a paramilitary group called the Proud Boys, which you might have heard yeah. of. Um, so the question line essentially was this. Chris Wallace, uh, the guy that was moderating, the guy who was answering the questions, um, he, he, he turned to Trump kind of at the end, and he was getting closing statements. He's like, will you right now condemn white supremacy in America? Meaning, will you say that white supremacy is a bad thing and it shouldn't be tolerated in this country, right? He asked Trump this question. And uh, he stalled for a minute. So Trump responded and he said, what do you, what, what do you want me to call them? He kind of, that was his response. And he was like, well, will you condemn white supremacy? And mm-hmm. Joe Biden chimed in and he said, the Proud Boys. So Joe Biden brought up the Proud Boys, which is this paramilitary organization. You can look them up. Be careful what you read, right? <clears throat> um, yeah. And he said, well, what do you want me to call them? He stalled for a minute. You can watch the video. And then they both started saying, do it. Condemn them. Say that white supremacy is a bad thing. Do it. And uh, he said, well, a lot of the attacks that I've seen have come from the left. That was the first thing he said. A lot of the stuff that I've seen has come from groups like Antifa. They're the ones who started it. And he said, this is what I'll say. He said, he said, uh, Proud Boys, stand by and stand back. Or maybe stand back and stand by either way. That's what he said. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of saying, yeah. instead of saying, I condemn white supremacy, I do not think white supremacy is a good thing, which is what the moderator asked him to say. He said, Proud Boys, yeah. stand by, stand back and stand by. Yeah. When we look, um, I'm looking at uh, at their page right now. The is it a Facebook page or just a website? The, uh, so this is, um, there are three different sources on this uh, from the Portland Mercury, the New Republic, which is another magazine, and then the Guardian. So three different journalism uh, sources have stated that the Proud Boys, this group believes men, especially white men, in the culture and Western culture are under siege and that they have elements of a white genocide conspiracy theory. Additionally, the group has officially rejected white supremacy, but has significant ties with white supremacist groups. Do they give any examples? Okay. I'm, I'm assuming like the KKK being so an example. If I take a, I'm looking here. Members have participated in multiple racist events and events centered around anti-left violence with former member organizing the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the organization glorifies violence. So the Unite the Right rally, by the way, was the one where that girl was run over by a car. Yeah. Yes. Um, and killed. Yeah, and right? killed. And the, the guy that hit her uh, got life in jail. He was a proud boy. He was a proud yeah, boy. Yeah. And um, I mean, I don't care how you look at it. They're they're a neo-fascist group. They are promoting fascism. And that's what they post, put up with. Um, or that's what they proudly post. And that's uh, their organization's uh, motto, essentially. Their 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 aims. Yeah. Uh, underneath their flag, it says the West is the best. Okay. And uh, it's definitely a group that has a lot of complicated issues surrounding it. Uh, seems to be really, really into violence. And uh, yeah, y'all, um, Donald Trump would not say that white supremacy is a bad thing so, in the debate. So, yeah. And so here's here's the thing. I want to I pause real quick and just say, like, again, sure. it's never our job to influence your opinion about political leaders right our job like we've said every podcast if you've listened is is to inform you about what's happening Mm -hmm. right but one of the things you have to understand about this this moment what happened here is um both sides republicans and democrats when he did this were both like are you kidding yeah. Even Fox News, his biggest, his biggest um, news agency who, who supports him, even, th- even they were like, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. Literally, uh, I forget one of the ladies, one of the ladies on Fox News responded to the event by calling it an ish show, fill in the blanks. On live TV, she said, well, that was an ish show. <laughs> yeah. The, and those um... are his biggest supporters in terms of popular media. Now it's it's absolutely astounding um, that debate and and what it's kind of a reflection of what's going on in this country now again not to politicize uh, any any of you not our intention correct um, right 
to just state what happened in the debate, two old white guys went on stage and yelled at each other. Um, there was not a lot of real for an hour and a half. Yeah. yeah, that was talked about as far as the future of America. The few moments that were that there were things said were blanket statements for the most part. No real policies enacted, like talked about, nothing like of substance, and it it kind of just felt like watching Jerry Springer. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the 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 scary truth is that this is our country. These are our leaders. If for some reason you feel that neither of them are good enough, if you don't like them, it is your job as an American citizen to find another person to run yourself for presidency one yep. day. To do something or, about it. To take, yeah, to take it into your own hands. The whole foundation of this nation is the idea that the people have the power. Correct. Now, is that true historically? I'll I'll go ahead and say absolutely not. It has not. <laughs> right. Is it better today than it has ever been? I think so. Right. Is it good enough yet? I don't know. There's so. we there's definitely progress to be made. <laughs> absolutely. For sure. For and sure. it, well, I mean, this this brings to mind one topic, and I know we're railing on this one topic this whole time, but this is yeah. really the only news story that's really happened. But I think it has a lot of important implications. One of the things I found as I was kind of looking up this thing and, and, and what happened and, you know, what to talk about. Someone did an analysis of our government and, and the ages that make up our government and um, the average age in America. If you take all the people that are alive and, and see you know, average it out. It's 37. Like all the babies and all the old people wrapped up. The average age of Americans is 37, right? Yep. Makes sense. Um, our presidential debates are being argued by two 70 year olds yelling back and forth at each other. Um, our Senate average age is 62 and our house of representatives average age is 57. And so if you average all those numbers out, we end up with a government whose age is the lower 60s, I believe, somewhere around there. But they're making the decisions for an average age country that's 37. Right. Meaning, yeah, it's starting to seem and I think debates that what America really wants is not being dealt with by the people who are there to represent us. That has probably been the case in every election ever. My I would argue um, especially, I guess, in the last 50 to 100 years or so, that if you look at voter turnout, my assumption would be, since World War II especially, that the majority of active voters and participants in our political system are old people. Yeah, right. they always show Who up. Who should have control over the future of this country, old people or young people? And ideally, I mean, we know it's a rhetorical question, but ideally it should be the young people who are making decisions about what this country is going to look like in 30 years. I, yeah, I agree. I don't think that is rhetorical. I think that question is, has got answers, like as many answers as there are Americans. I really yeah. do. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like it seems obvious that shouldn't the young people care more than any other group? And uh, It is their future. And so this gets us into, our t- into another topic, right? Which is that idea that uh, people have to vote. Like, yeah. you can't just give up and say, well, none of these people represent my beliefs, so I'm just not going to vote. Yeah, voter turnout has been abysmal. We've had more people not vote in the last several elections than vote. Right. And that is not a good reflection of our country when it, when it comes time to, like, make big decisions. Correct. If the majority of Americans aren't voting and taking part in the government, the government is going to take over the majority of Americans. That's, a, that's perfectly sad. I couldn't say it any better myself. The, the other thing that I believe wholesomely is that you may not actually be interested in government. That's true. Like maybe you don't care about it and I, we can't make uh-huh. it, but the government is absolutely interested in you and what you're interested in. And if you're not voting, if you're not paying attention, the government is paying attention to it's going to tell it's going to tell you what you think <laughs> yeah yes. yeah and they will benefit from yeah. it, folks yeah i mean for real um not to be a gripey teacher uh and honestly i love my job would never quit obsessed with uh my career um i just have to say like people used to have things called unions unions used to be very successful in getting like workers rights and and pay and wages and all this stuff mm-hmm. and 
y'all, you, the biggest union in the United States is the the teachers union, the NEA. Yeah. A teachers have not gotten a pay raise since the 90s. Right. Like, and inflation has gone up. Not that I'm complaining and want more money. Of course, I do have Cash App and Venmo. <laughs> if you'd like to send it to, just kidding. I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm completely. Uh, and honestly, in Kansas City, I, I think, Buck, you might say the same. Like, a teacher's salary goes a long way in Kansas City. Yeah. Um, but you look at cities like L.A., uh, if you live in the Irvine area, the teachers make so little and the area around Irvine, California is so rich that the school districts had to build housing on site for teachers because they couldn't afford to live within Dang. an hour of the school. Dang, that's wild. I didn't know that. That's that's horrifying. Yeah. That is a, that is a sign that there is something wrong with the system. <laughs> With the system yeah. and, and our, our union has just no power. It has nothing. Right. If it doesn't have control or some say in that. And so, so. and so to bring it back then, I think the, the yeah. debate was kind of, kind of a, a small microcosm of all that. If you looked at those things and you looked at that debate and you're like, this is a mess. This, this is neither what, this is what nobody wants, but this is what we have right now. Right. That's why political involvement matters. Yeah. And so I'd, I'd be curious to wrap this up with one last thing, especially since you watched the debate, then I'll give my opinion too here. But who do you think, who do you think came out of this debate looking more electable? Who came out of this debate looking like the person who's going to take it, in your opinion? Who won, I guess? Sure. So uh, I'll, I'll say two things on that. Um, it was stated before the debate happened, who is going to look more powerful, Okay. Doesn't doesn't matter what the policies are. Who's going to look more powerful? Because that's really what this was. I can look bigger than you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll I'll tell you right now. As far as that perspective goes, Trump dominated speaking time. He he talked over everybody. He made a scene. He made a show, and he had control of that debate for a period of time. Yeah. Um, it was babbling. It kind of came off like a middle schooler was like freaking out or something. Um, but he did own that state. Yep. He really did. Um, as far as, and I, I was looking at some statistics, so I'm kind of cheating here. As far as the American public, they believe one of the Joe Biden, really considered the winner because possibly his composure, maybe because he had answers, maybe, he, maybe a lot of Americans are fed up with Trump. I'm not really and sure And they, they could have just been biased to just say he won because I like him better. Yeah. yeah, so that, he's Biden is leading in the polls right now. Um, but we learned like, in 2016 that doesn't matter. That technically, yeah, we're not gonna we're not gonna act like that is a done deal because exactly 2016 Hillary led the polls all the way and then election day she lost. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'll go ahead and say I I kind of think Trump won it. Yeah, um, even if he didn't really get any real content or substance across. I think the I think the guy came off as a more powerful person than Joe Biden. Did. I, I I'd, I'd agree with you. I think he looked, if you're, if you're rating this on who had the most showtime and who got the most attention easily Trump. Yeah. He, 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 he did what he does. Right. Which is, to, which is take airtime and everyone stares at him. And, and some people say, how could you do this? Some people say, look at him go either way. I think he took the debate in, for that regard. It's up to the people now, I guess, to say, do I want that in a president or not? You think about you think about their backgrounds. Trump is a TV reality star. There is no such thing as bad press for folks like that, right? Yeah. Any any attention is good attention for a celebrity. That dude knows how to do that. Mm-hmm. You know? I would agree. Yep. Um, the, the only other tiny little piece of uh, news I wanted to share, and I'm sure most of you don't care because maybe you're not baseball fans. I know that <laughs> football's the world now. All we care about is Mahomes. And I love Mahomes. I'm a huge football fan, too. He's having a baby. My, he is having a baby. My favorite Royals player of 14 years retired recently. Alex Gordon, number four oh, left field. Yep. He is finished he he retired he only played for the royals for his entire mlb career we've only got a handful of royals that did that including george brett i was gonna say did george brett do that yeah okay yeah and george brett had the option he really it was a big deal for him because he he could have left 
Um, I don't think Gordon quite had the same opportunity that that um, George Brett did. I don't know if Alex Gordon will end up in like the Hall of Fame, but he probably will have some monuments or stuff around. Royal oh, Stadium. that's cool. He was a big part of our 2014 entering the World Series and 2015 win of the World Series. My favorite thing about that guy, no reaction at all. He'll hit a grand slam. And his biggest reaction is that he blows a bubble and runs the bases with like his <laughs> finger up. There's no cheering. There's no shouting. He's, he looks like he's just like a sad mopey kid. <laughs> he's also getting paid millions of dollars to and, hit a ball with so, a stick. Yeah. And he, he's always just been this guy that's like, like when they, when Whit Merrifield said, you're going to have a statue out at Kaufman, he goes, I don't know anything about that. <laughs> I mean, and it's like, what on earth, man? So, he's, he's just a sad kid <laughs> on the team. <laughs> so there you go. There's your news for the week. You got the uh, presidential debate. And I would challenge you guys, don't just take our word for it on our analysis. Man, go watch it. Go watch the highlights if you want to see what it was really like. Yeah. Form your own opinions, like we say every day, you know, or every podcast, rather. Um, but yeah. That's the news. And there's going to be three more of these. So if you didn't get your fill, oh, just wait. We can watch. (laughs) All right. We'll be right back with a little bit of information. Government. And econ. I am happy to introduce to you the new Cinco boy from Cinco. What? What is this? (laughs) That's a a Tim and Eric bit about. It's (laughs) okay. It's actually, I'm not going to lie. It is one of the darkest bits they do. It is so funny. And and the main actor is the guy from uh, Fargo, the bad guy from Fargo. Oh, well, there you go, kids. If you look for some Tim and Eric, what's the name of the bit? (laughs) Um, Cinco boy. Cinco boy. Catch it. Single boy, catch it. Uh, so this is uh, this is by the people, and this is the information part. We're going to jump right into it, y'all. This week, we have two assignments, like usual, um, to continue our discussion of the organization of the federal government. And uh, if you haven't picked up on the, uh, the way we're going to kind of break this down, each branch is going to get an organization piece, and then each branch gets a little bit of what it can do, right? So with the legislative, we talked about how it's bicameral. And then we talked about how they make laws, the legislative process. Last week, we talked about the uh, organization of the executive branch. So this week, we get into a special thing that the executive branch can do, wh- how it works, and then also the organization of the judicial. Yep. Yep. So let's jump right in. Lesson nine, unit one, powers of the president. You got three things in your assignment here. You're obviously going to turn one of them in um, <laughs> but let's go look at that powerpoint okay three two one okay you've pulled it up now and you're looking at it. <laughs> and you're now you're looking at it with your eyes excellent so uh we don't need to review anything you remember it all right <laughs> okay so let's just talk executive branch led by the president he has 15 departments underneath right okay. that's what we did last week right and we talked about how they're able to enforce the laws they have all this power to enforce laws so does Uh, this power have some kind of like rule book mr buck it does actually rule book buck uh it does actually uh we've talked about this a little bit in, in our classes that all this information about how the government is actually organized can technically be found in the constitution uh, that's that piece of paper that they wrote in the 1700s that said, this is how our government is going to be set up, right? Um, and actually, for this very assignment, you guys are going to dig in there a little bit uh, and use the Constitution, get, to get a chance to read this old, complicated document. So this all comes from the Constitution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, the Constitution gives the president two types of powers, right? 
the two types of powers that he gets, and I say he, and I probably shouldn't, but we've only had male presidents. So, so far. Just going to keep doing that. Anyway, the first type of power the president has is called expressed power, which is granted directly from the Constitution. Like, it literally says exactly what these five powers are. Right. These are powers that... Um that you could just pick up and read and you can just find in the constitution. And again, the assignment's going to have you do that, but lucky you, if you listen to this podcast, guess what? We're going to go through them with you anyway. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. And before we jump into what those five are, I'm going to sing the Avengers theme song since Captain America is on this slide. Yeah, please. I really, please. Yes. Are you done? That's it? That's the whole song? Uh, well, the whole song's about three minutes long. I, mean, <laughs> I was tucking in. I was ready. <laughs> okay, so the five express powers. These are powers that are expressed to the president in the Constitution. These are the things that he can do, or she, specifically. One is the head of state, meaning that the president is the face of the government. Technically, our government has no ultimate leader, although the president is a pseudo-leader. Because he's the face of the government, right? Mm-hmm. Um, number two, we have the chief executive. Again, uh, he's the head of the executive branch, and therefore it's his main number one job to enforce all of the laws. That's the executive branch's job. So he's the head. That's his job. Um, the president is our commander in chief, meaning he's in charge of our armed forces. He's the head man of the army, the navy, the air force. The, uh, the, the, the Space Force. Yeah, the Space Force. Yeah, he's in charge of that. Um, <clears throat> he's the chief diplomat, meaning it's his job to meet with other leaders from various countries and make deals, make treaties. And lastly, he's the chief legislator, meaning he has a lot of influence in the legislative branch in making laws. Although he doesn't get to make them, he has some influence. Yep. Um, and presidents can write bills that could become laws. Um, mm-hmm. Obama did that with the Affordable Care Act. Yep. But, you know, he had a lot of help from other legislators on his committee. That's just sort of a throwback to the legislative branch. Lesson. Well, yeah. And his cabinet t- yeah. tying it back into that, too. He would have had help from his cabinet at the same time. Yeah. So to do the thing. Those are the five expressed powers in the Constitution. It says literally that the president has to do those things. That's, that's right. their job. And in history, if we go far enough back, that's like the powers George Washington had. Mm-hmm. Right. That's like the powers that Abe Lincoln had. And you'll kind of notice that each of these things are sort of general. They're not very specific. Right. Um, it's not like this is like a task like, OK, no, the president has to go make copies for <laughs> the president people. is like, the he's the he's the chief orange slicer for the executive branch. Yeah. All oranges must be sliced by him. Even the the directly expressed powers are still left to be kind of general for interpretation. However, there are these other powers, the other type of powers called implied powers that do not come from the Constitution, but they are implied, right? So they kind of follow the expressed powers. Right. So so in order to do your expressed powers in modern times, you also have to have some of these powers to do your job, right? So, like, um, yeah, so like an example of this. So, Mr. Buck, when the Constitution was written, um, there were like giant airplanes, right? And, and George Washington would get on like bombers and he'd go bomb the British in his like planes, right? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And uh, dinosaurs were also a big threat. So they <laughs> needed to attack the dinosaurs with the planes. It's American history. Just look it up. So, so the, 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 the statement I want to make is, y'all, the president is the commander in chief of the army and navy. The Constitution never mentions an air force because when the Constitution was written, there was no flying. There was no planes. There was no, no one had discovered the Wright brothers in North Carolina had not discovered flight yet. Yeah. So that's <laughs> yeah. not even a thing. But it is implied that the president is also in charge of the Air Force because it is another branch of the military, even though it just doesn't say that in the Constitution. Or we could just continue on with our Space Force theme. Yes. Right. There was no there was no no going to space in the 1700s. But now, apparently, we need that because who knows what's happening up there? Well, if you 
watch the History Channel, which, of course, we know is an incredible source for history classes, you'd know that actually, although humans may not have been able to go up into space, we have had aliens um, assist so the, con- the construction of civilization. Of course, I mean, don't yeah. believe that. Stupid, yeah, man. Right now. Of course, man. This is aliens, man. All that gets chopped off, okay? <laughs> aliens did not build pyramids. Slaves did. All right. There's the truth. There it is. It's not funny. It's messed <laughs> up that that is even suggested. I know. It was not aliens. It was hundreds of thousands of slaves. Over over hundred thousands of years. No, actually what's crazy, the big pyramids, the pyramids of Giza. Well, yeah, the pyramids of Giza. They were made in like under 10 years. That's actually insane. Which is insane. Yeah, they were they were created in such a short period of time. Um, you know, just using a lot of uh, forced labor. Not a good thing. Anyway, um, <laughs> let's go right. back to implied powers. So let's take a look at some other implied powers. Right. So the implied powers um, are these ones that just grow, right? And they always kind of filter back to a, a version of the expressed powers. And so your assignment that we're going to do in class is going to ask you about all kinds of different historical events. And it's going to be your job to try to figure out how the express powers fit into those implied powers. So some examples, and this comes straight from the work that you guys are going to have. um, And this is based on real events. So here's some free answers. If you actually listen to this thing. Um, One of the first ones, uh, delivering the state of the union address every year, a president is supposed to step up. Is it in January, February? Yeah, it's like in February or January. Yeah. The president is supposed to make a big speech to all of America about the state of our country, the state of our union. That's nowhere in the Constitution that the president has to do that. But today, in modern times, the president does that every year as part of his power as head of state. Mm -hmm. So another type of implied power if you know your World War II history, Jap- when America was at war with the Japanese, right? Yep. Uh, many Japanese American citizens were suspected by the white government, right? That they could potentially be spies or they could be soldiers or something. And yeah. so FDR, Franklin, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, literally built giant housing internment camps well, concentration camps. Concentration camps, right? Yeah. For Japanese civilians. Okay. To, to put them in there to watch them because we didn't trust them as a country. The idea was that he was using his implied power to keep America safe. And, of course, the people he's keeping safe are white Americans. That's his priority, right? Right. Which makes him the commander in chief. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, or rather is an expression yeah. Of the commander in chief power. Yeah. So the implied power comes from his express power of being commander in chief. That's right. Yep. And we'll, hit, we'll get you one more because if you actually listen to this, thank you. Uh, so let's get one more here. Um, I'm looking through the work here. Uh, oh, here we go. Okay. This was something that I liked when I was in high school, not the sarcasm again. Um, when uh, President G. Dub Bush ordered the wiretapping of Americans during the war on terror mm-hmm. warrantless. You don't need to have a warrant. You can, if you're part of Homeland security, the department of Homeland security, you can just wiretap and get information on any American you want. Yeah. As long as you think they might be a terrorist. Yep. And who is he going to, who are they targeting uh, and suspecting of being terrorists? Do you think it was Mr. Long and Mr. Buck in the Absolutely not. Kansas city? <laughs> Absolutely not. Probably not. No, it was, it was, this was after 2001, a little bit of history lessons for you guys. It was after 2001 and 9 11. Guarantee almost every single one of those wiretaps was placed on someone of Muslim faith. Yep. I guarantee every single one of them. The creepy thing about all this wiretapping is it hasn't gone away. They can still do it to us. Yep. They have never repealed this act, so they can still do it to anybody they want anytime they want. The idea is. And this has been a common thing that's happened in American history. Is the threat to pri- is the threat to safety worth losing some of our privacy? If we can be safer, how much privacy should we be able to give up? 
Now there you go. I, I, you know, everyone's kind of got their own stance on it. I think that's a really interesting topic. Maybe we'll look more into that later. Um, but or just yeah. read the book 1984 and have your mind blown. Yes, uh, movie's a little depressing and sad, but hey, so is the book. The book's amazing. I read it as a sophomore, and it changed my world. Well, anyway, so that op- that 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 question and that example, ordering the wires wiretapping of Americans during the war on terror, that's an example of. Uh, the president using his implied powers as commander in chief. Mm-hmm. So, right. yeah. So go through that worksheet students. And uh, I, you know, I don't want to just, I don't want to just hand it to you, but I'll tell you the PowerPoint really does kind of help out a little bit. Um, <laughs> and those people who look might be, yeah, I, I would highly recommend you check that out. And thank you for <laughs> yeah. listening to this podcast. There are some rewards to listening. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So let's go on to the second piece. Then the second piece we have this week, the second assignment, we're going to start uh, talking about the judicial branch. And I'm going to be honest, straight up, as we get started in the judicial branch, this is going to be the hardest one. Mm-hmm. This is the one you have the least experience with. This is the one you hear the least about on the news. This is going to be the one where most of us are kind of confused on. But we're going to try to make it as simple as possible because we should come back to it again and again, especially when we talk about rights and things. Yep. So first things first, the judicial branch, its main job is to interpret laws. What does that mean? So what that means is kind of what it sounds like. The legislative branch makes a law. The executive branch enforces that law. The judicial branch interprets it. And the way I always say this in class, and if you have me in class, you're probably sick of hearing this example. The legislative branch makes a law that no one's allowed to wear red shoes anymore. The executive branch's job would be to enforce that, to get the police the training they need, get the states the money they need to do that thing. And finally... The judicial branch's job is to say, let's say someone gets arrested wearing pink shoes. Well, the judicial branch says, is pink a version of red? We're going to interpret, we're going to decide, we're going to make a decision. Mm -hmm. Does pink count as red? They interpret the laws. Yes, and they do that based on the Constitution. Correct. The Supreme Court specifically focuses on on constitutional issues. If you look at the creation of the judicial branch, and we've talked about this once before, you need to know the Supreme Court is the highest court in the land. Yep. There's nine judges total. We want an odd number of judges because it always ends in an uneven vote. So there's always a majority, right? Yep. Yep. Never equal. And there's only one Supreme Court. Okay. In in the whole country. One federal Supreme Court. Mm Mm-hmm. That's right. There is a Kansas Supreme Court, but we'll get to that later. We're talking about the federal government right now. Yes. So the judicial power of the uh, – let's just talk about the appellate courts. The appellates. Okay. So, yeah. So the Supreme Court is made by the Constitution, but following that, we know that one court cannot handle every case in the entire country, right? We're a country of millions and millions of people. One court cannot hear all those cases. So – just like in the executive branch, just like in the legislative branch, there's a structure set up to deal with the numbers. And this is the, the structure of the judicial. It's really this. At the very tip top of the, of the judicial branch is the Supreme Court. Underneath that court, the second level of courts, kind of the second piece, I guess you could say, is called an appellate court. Mm-hmm. Or a court of appeals. If you ever watch crime shows, if you're into law type shows, you might hear them talk about appeals. I'm appealing my case. I'm going to a court of appeals. That's the second level. And the very bottom level of the judicial branch and the most courts that exist is the district courts. Yep. So district court at the bottom, appellate court in the middle, Supreme Court at the top. Yeah. And the court. um, So we already said the Supreme Court has nine judges. The Court of Appeals has three judges that will hear a case, right? Mm-hmm. And the district courts, which there are the most of, there's like 91 of them. Yep. They only have one judge. Right. Right. That, that's your Judge Judy court, kind of. Yeah. That's the one you see in the movies the most where there's a judge who's presiding over. Mm-hmm. So we have uh, a dual court system. Um, much like most of the power in the United States, we've got federal and state power. That's the two types of courts in the dual system, okay? Right, right. Yeah. So the federal courts deal with issues that pertain to all of the U.S. Federal laws, constitutional things, 
um, and disputes between states and their citizens. So they can still hear state issues, but generally speaking, their decisions last and are for the entire nation, not just one state, right? Correct. Yep, yep, yep. State courts, obvious. I mean, it seems kind of obvious, I think. Um, they deal with disputes about state laws. So there's a really weird state law that's basically been forgotten. We talked a little bit about it in one of my classes. It used to be illegal in the state of Kansas to eat cherry pie with ice cream on Sundays. <laughs> no, okay. you're kidding. No, I'm dead serious. And, <laughs> and, and I tried finding out more information about this law. I don't think it was ever resolved. I don't think that they ever changed it because that would take time and money. And that's kind of a waste to do. Um, right. I tried right. to find out why it became a law. And the only thing I could find was that it was improper to eat dairy and like pastries in England or something like that. And, and I guess Kansas at the time thought that that was like bad. It, it's a very weird one. There's a lot of weird laws, but y'all, in other states, that's law. You can eat cherry pie on, on with ice cream on Sunday. You can eat cherry pie a la mode. I'm talking about ice cream on the side <laughs> in Kansas, too, if you'd really like. Um, because, because there's not going to be a police officer that sees you eating cherry pie with ice cream that's going to arrest you or fine you for that. Right, <laughs> right, right. But in theory, if you were arrested for that, that would be a state <laughs> issue, right? Yeah, yeah. So, um... <laughs> so yeah. So, so that's the organization then of this court system, right? And don't get too stressed yet, honestly, about the state court stuff. Our next unit is actually state courts and mm -hmm. how they work and how they function. So we'll get to that. For now, just know that this court system is set up with the supreme at the top the appellate at the middle and the district at the bottom in yep. both situations. Yep. Now the way this works and the way the system is set up to function is every single court in America or every single case in America rather is going to start at a district court. That's why we know it so well, because whether it's Brown versus board which is going to become one of the biggest court decisions in American history, mm -hmm. or whether it's I ate ice cream on Sunday, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's always going to start in a district court. It always begins there. Um, and this is the type of court where there's going to be a lawyer, there's going to be, an ev there's going to be evidence, there's going to be a jury, there's going to be a verdict, one judge, blah, 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 the thing you see on TV. But that's not the end of the story. Um, this is why if you ever watch those shows, crime shows, prison shows, whatever, right, where the people say I'm, my, my case is up for appeal, Yeah, a, ca a case moves up. And what's the appellate court like, Long? So, so let's say a district court um, says that someone is guilty of a crime, okay? This is the most basic example I can think of. That person's not actually guilty. They appeal their case, okay? It goes to the appellate court, right? Yep. And it takes a long time to do this, and not every case is going to make it there. They the, get denied. Yeah, yeah. The appellate court has got three options, okay? It can affirm the court's decision. So it can say, no, 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 you were convicted guilty. There is evidence. We're saying you're guilty still. Yep. Okay? It can reverse the trial's decision. It can, they can literally review the evidence and say, no, that court was wrong. It was biased, right? Yep. Or maybe there was some, some issue with the jury, okay? And they can go, no, we're going to change that. Actually, you're not guilty. You're free, okay? Mm -hmm. Or it can remand the case to the district court. So it just gets wiped and you have to go all over again, fresh start, new, new trial. Basically. Back at the district level, yep. So they're kind of just like the fact checkers. You get three judges that review cases and they decide what happens to it. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and this court looks different than most courts you would see. Usually at these types of cases, there's only going to be the lawyers. There's no jury involved in an appellate court and there's three judges. Yep. Right. And those judges decide if the first case was an error. The last step, and this is the one we're kind of getting to here, the last step in the court system is the Supreme Court. 
the U.S. Supreme Court and the federal system. And one thing I want to stress to you guys is very, very, very few cases make it this far. Yeah. Like we're talking one out of every 25,000, maybe more. Yeah. That's just the number I'm throwing out, but it's usually, it's very seldom. Yeah, it's so rare. Um, And the cases that they hear are always, like you mentioned earlier, having to do with whether a decision or a law goes against the Constitution. Yeah. Breaks the rules of our government and the Constitution. Yeah, so they always have to do with basic freedoms, like freedom of speech, right to bear arms, things like that. Yeah. Um, Big example, Brown versus Board, right? Uh, it was on the books in the state of Kansas that it was legal to have separate but equal schools, right? Mm-hmm. Where people of color go to school here, white kids go to school here. The Supreme Court decided in 1954 that, you know what, that does break the rules of our country, and therefore they got rid of that. Yep. Um, that That's pro- an example of their, you know, yeah, that, their decisions. That process is called judicial review. When yeah. they, literally, when they go over a, a case, that's judicial review. Right? Correct. And they can uh, reverse a decision. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. And that's the three levels. It, but again, this will be the part that I know most people will struggle with because it's so out of the ordinary for us to talk about, you know, a, a, a power to interpret. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the assignment we're going to have in class is essentially going through the first part and just organizing the, the judicial system. Right. The highest court in America is the Supreme Court. Yep. The middle courts are, are the appellate the lowest courts, the district, and what happens in those cases, or those, those courts, rather. The second thing we'll do is we're going to go in and actually get a chance to look at who your Supreme Court justices are in America as of right now. Which, actually, students, one of these is going to be blank. Yeah. Because we just had Ruth Bader Ginsburg die. Um, yep. So you don't have to fill out the information there about her unless you'd really like to. And we currently, um, if you look at the website that is attached to the uh, assignment on the second page, yep. it's going to give you all of the information you need on these judges. Just make sure you put the correct chief justice in the spot. Other than that, the associated justice, the, the associate justices, doesn't matter the order. Okay. Yep. And, and looking at the document now, as I speak, they've already removed Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Yeah, I'm looking at it too. Yeah, she's already gone. Yep. And uh, we'll talk about the process of how they pick a new one, actually, uh, uh, when we get to checks and balances. But as of right now, they're going through the process of deciding who's going to be the next Supreme Court justice. And the president gets to pick. The Senate gets to approve. Yeah. So you can thank the Grim Reaper for making it so you only have eight justice you have to fill out <laughs> instead of nine <laughs> thanks thank thank father death right <laughs> oh uh, man that was in poor taste i take full responsibility for um, <laughs> if made you made it far, i'm impressed anyway so. so so that's the work for the week that's the learning for the week the organization or sorry the powers of the executive branch and the president as well as the organization of the judicial. Long, do you have anything to say to wrap it up? Oh, just that uh, uh, I need. We got time. Take take your time. I just said, yeah. Take your time. Take a deep breath. <laughs> uh, I got nothing. Okay. Well, uh, stay safe. Stay good, stay cool, stay nice. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Best ending ever. Yep.